Behold, I am. Let's go ahead and say that together. Behold, I am. And we're not talking about ourselves. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Let's say it one more time. I know we're small, but we got to be loud. Behold, I am. And we're not talking about me. We're talking about Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Over the months of July and August, we're looking at all these statements of Jesus. Let's be honest. These are pretty bold statements that Jesus makes about himself. Two weeks, in fact, we looked at, two weeks ago, we looked at he makes the statement saying, I am the great I am. If you remember that, he says, before Abraham was, I am. You remember that sermon, right? Pretty big statement. I am God. I am Yahweh. I am the great I am. And that I am statement, by the way, if that one isn't true, then the rest of this series is just a waste of time, right? If we don't believe that Jesus is actually God, then it's really not going to matter much what he has to say about himself. Who cares what he's saying today even if he wasn't telling the truth when he says before Abraham was I am. But this room, I know most of you in this room, we say actually I do believe. Anyone else believe that he is the great I am? Right? We actually believe that He is uh, God. Uh, he is a part of the Trinity. Uh, God, one, God, three persons. God, the uh, Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And because we believe in the deity of Jesus, it's weird that I'm even talking about that because I had a lot of conversations about the deity of Jesus this week. But if we believe that He is God, then we're also going to play, pay close attention to and also believe in the things that He has to say about Himself. Last week, anyone remember what he said last week? He said, I am the... Two points for you. One point for you. Um, uh, you're winning. Uh, I am... Let's say it together. I am the bread of life. And again, it's pretty radical, pretty bold. Remember what he said? It kind of turned off some people. A bunch of disciples went the other way. Because what did he say? He said, if you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, you will never... Be hungry or thirsty again. A radical claim that as you feast on Jesus, that he is the bread. The scripture says that he is the bread that endures to eternal life, that you will not die on your sins, but instead you will have life in Christ. Anyone else just love the time of receiving communion together last week? I know that's normally not when we do it. We kind of change things up, which kind of freaks us out. We're creatures of habit. But, oh, and by the way, that juice tasted a little funny. Anyone else think that juice just tasted a little funny uh we ordered it from a catholic i don't know anyways not even going there but i, I took it first service and i was like this and then second service i was like like it got worse so um we'll go back to the welches next time but for me it was a beautiful thing because one of the ways the bible describes us like this room and, and us gathering together brothers and sisters in christ is he calls us the body of christ and, and I thought it was pretty darn powerful for the body of Christ to be celebrating and taking communion, eating of his flesh, drinking of his blood, and declaring, by the way, not just to ourselves, but declaring to the world, it is in Christ and in Christ alone that we are satisfied. Amen? Amen. This week we're looking at another I am statement that Jesus makes. This one, just like the last two weeks, pretty bold, pretty radical. Forces a response. You can either accept it as truth or reject it as a lie. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. We apologize. The air conditioning is broken. So we have the windows open, the fans going. But um, yeah, 
Just think of it as calories being burnt. <laughs> All right, let's say this together. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, who's saying that? Jesus. And it's a little bold. Let's be honest. It's a little bold. And, and before we go any further into this statement, we're, we're going to take it apart a little bit today. I, I first want to take a step back, look at the context for this scene. At this point, Jesus has been in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. You ever heard that phrase before? Feast of Tabernacles? There's a, a couple, of, uh, three different feasts that you'd come uh, to Jerusalem for. This, this is one of them, an eight-day feast. I, I've been showing pictures from my trip in Jerusalem, or my trip in Israel, uh, over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to sh continue to show them through July and August. I thought I'd show you a couple uh, in regards to this story. Again, this story takes place in the temple. A lot of Jesus' teachings take place in the temple. Uh, these are the southern steps uh, of the temple, heading up uh, to uh, the temple. You see this, the temple mount over here on the far left. You see half of a gate. Uh, now that gate has been split up by a wall that goes this way. But this would be the southern entrance into the temple uh, area. And this next, uh, you've seen this maybe on CNN or, or the news channels. It's called the Western Wall, or maybe you've heard it as the Wailing Wall. So that's the Western Wall uh, around the Temple Mount. Here's another one. Here's the Dome of the Rock. That's a Muslim shrine that's now up on, on the grounds of uh, where the temple used to be. There's also a, a mosque up there. But uh, you can imagine the temple was probably pretty close to where that dome of the rock is now. And then here's another uh, picture. Um, this is us, again, up on those grounds. It's kind of wild. I don't know if you've been reading the news lately, but there's a picture of a man actually dying right there um, who had killed two of the Isra Israeli police, and then they shot him right there uh, where we're standing. So it's a pretty heated area uh, right now. But that just kind of gives you a picture of where all of this discussion and, and what Jesus is teaching, uh, where it's taking place. Now, this Feast of Tabernacles, there, there's many elements to the week-long festival, including, uh, more than anything, just this incredible time of giving thanks to God, uh, thanking Him for His provision, thanking Him for His provision both in the past, but also in the present. And so they'd have various different uh, ceremonies that would take place during this Feast of Tabernacles. One of the ceremonies involved water. One of the ceremonies included light. And this whole reference to water and light, if you notice, Jesus uh, makes reference to them in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8. And he uh, uses these ceremonies to, to make uh, points of showing people who he is and help us understand who he is, but also what he offers. And uh, the first one would be the drawing ceremony, the, the drawing, uh, water drawing ceremony. Pretty cool when you start uh, looking into it. Uh, this water ceremony that happened during the Feast of Tabernacles, this whole parade of worshipers and, and flutists or flautists, they were uh, going down to the Pool of Siloam. If you remember the Pool of Siloam, if you saw that picture with the southern steps, behind me would have been the City of David, and the City of David kind of goes down like this. At the bottom of the City of da David is the Pool of si uh, Siloam. And uh, they would go down there, get the water, and then uh, the priest he had two golden pitchers. One was filled with wine, one was 
filled with water from the pool. So they go down the pool of Siloam, fill up the water. Now they start going back up. They're going up the hill. The flutes continue to play. The choir of Israelites are chanting uh, Psalm 118. The whole procession goes up to the temple through the water gate. Uh, when the, the priest enters the temple area, a trumpet is sounded. He approaches the altar, and now there's these two silver basins that are waiting. He pours the wine into one of the basins, which is the drink offering to the Lord. He takes the other one and, from the, the water from the pool of Siloam, and he pours it into the other. The whole thing, and hopefully you're just getting a picture of it, uh, it's this joyful occasion, loud, joyous, uh, musical occasion. Uh, one ancient rabbi said that anyone who has not seen this water ceremony has never seen rejoicing in his life. So again, a time of thanking God for his bounty, asking him to provide the rain for the crops in the coming year. And it's in this context that Jesus says something that all of us are familiar with. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. And John says, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Pretty awesome, huh? Pretty cool. Jesus uses this water ceremony as an opportunity to talk about the living water of the Holy Spirit. During this uh, feast, they also celebrated light, and they had a ceremony celebrating light. I was reading an article on CBN that describes this light ceremony pretty well. It goes into uh, some good detail, so I'll just read that to you. The, the author says, At the end of the first day of the feast, the temple was gloriously illuminated. According to the Mishnah, which is the oral tradition of the rabbis, gigantic candelabras stood within the court of the women, each of the four golden candelabras is said to have been 50 cubits high, a cubit somewhere between 18 and 22 inches. So we're talking about candelabras that are almost 75 feet tall. Each candelabra had four branches. At the top of every branch, there was a large bowl. Four young men bearing 10-gallon pitchers of oil would climb ladders, fill the four golden bowls on each candelabra. Then the oil in these bowls was ignited. He says, picture 16 beautiful blazes leaping toward the sky from these golden lamps. Remember that the temple was on a hill above the rest of the city, so the glorious glow was a sight for the entire city to see. In addition to the light, Levitical musicians played their harps, lyres, cymbals, and trumpets to make joyful music to the Lord. What a glorious celebration. The light was to remind the people of how God's Shekinah glory had once filled his temple. But in the person of Jesus, God's glory was once again present in that temple. And he used the celebration to announce that very fact. The light ceremony also commemorated the pillar of fire that went with the Israelites during the wilderness wanderings. Jesus was teaching in the court of women just after the feast perhaps standing right next to those magnificent candelabras when he declared to all who were gathered there, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's incredible to me. I mean, I didn't know if you knew that. But I think that's just incredible. In this setting, right after the feast, Jesus makes this radical claim, I am the light of the world. And what we have to try to understand in the year 2017 is that in the context of this feast and these ceremonies of water and light, what Jesus is really saying, he's saying, yeah, when he says, I am the light of the world, what he's saying is, I am God. I am God. This reference of God being light, you find it again and again 
in the Bible. The Jews, uh, I just said it, but during the exodus from Egypt, they recognized that pillar by night, the cloud by day, as who? As God, as Yahweh. Lighting these candelabras, remember, was a remembrance of the light that he gave them that led them out of Egypt. Light is a metaphor used to describe God often. You find that in the Psalms. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. When Jesus declares that he is the light of the world, he's actually fulfilling many prophecies about the coming Messiah from the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah alone, in Isaiah 9, uh, it prophesies about Jesus. Listen to this. The people who walk in darkness, they will see a great Light, those who live in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. Chapters 42 and 49, we're told about this Messiah who has been appointed as a light to the nations, a light to the world. In Isaiah chapter 60, God says to his people, maybe you've heard this one before. He says, no longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. If you've read your Bibles, that passage might sound like another passage found in the Bible. You know what I'm talking about, Revelation, right? Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 22, where instead of the the sun and the moon, the nations, the Bible says, has the Lamb as their lamp. And uh, chapter 22, verse 5, the Lord God will give them light. 1 John 1, 5 tells us God is light. Remember that verse? That's a pretty familiar one. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. You know what that means? That means that God, he is absolutely pure. He is absolutely holy. There is no darkness whatsoever found in him. And so when Jesus declares that he is light, he is declaring that he is without darkness, that he is absolutely pure and absolutely holy. So Jesus' claim to be the light of the world is Jesus' claim to be Lord God in human flesh. A radical claim. I am the light of the world. I am God. I am God. I hope you believe that Jesus is God. Now the fact that he says he's light, I want to dive into that just a little bit deeper today. Himself calling himself light, it's significant, it's very important. I'm a biology major, as, as most of you know, and anyone who's taken a biology class will know how important light is for life. The, the light that the sun gives us, most of the energy found on earth is found from that light. Without light, this earth would not survive. It would be desolate. And for us, without the light of Christ, the light that Jesus brings, the same would be true for us. We need his light. Without his light, you and I are in darkness, and you and I, we will not survive. By the way, if I'm honest, I don't really need anyone to tell me that I need his light. We don't like to admit this, but we are all familiar with darkness, right? It's one of those things you, you, you kind of want to put on a good face and kind of put on a good show for everyone around you. But we are all familiar with darkness, and we have all tasted and experienced the emptiness that darkness brings. Just Think about some of the darkness, the evil thoughts that you have from time to time, the despair, the hopelessness, the things that run through your mind, even I dare say that sometimes the things that come out of your mouth. We have all had glimpses of darkness, the darkness that exists outside of Jesus Christ. And so at some level, we all understand that we are in desperate need of his light. 
The prophet Jeremiah understood this. In Jeremiah chapter 17, he says the human mind is more, and he's talking about our human minds outside of Christ, more deceitful than anything else. It is incurably bad. Who can understand it? Another translation says the human heart is deceptive and desperately wicked. This isn't a very popular message to preach in the year 2017 in America, but we need to know that outside of Jesus Christ in the innermost parts of who we are, they are not good outside of Christ. In our sin, we are dark. No good outside of Christ. And, and, and we, I, I, don't, I don't know if we fully understand that, but we are so lost in our darkness without Jesus. I mean, really, all you have to do is just look at the world, right? Look at what's happening in the world around us. We think we know how to live, but we don't know how to live. We call evil good and good evil. Change darkness into light, light into darkness. In the midst of it all, we're cheering each other on, patting each other on the back, thinking we're so wise. The prophet Isaiah mentions people like this. He says, those who call evil good and good evil, they are as good as dead. Who turn darkness into light and light into darkness. Who turn bitter into sweet and sweet into bitter. Those who think they are wise, they are as good as dead. Those who think they possess understanding. Without Christ, we're as good as dead. The lives that we live, they're a form of chaos. They're a form of darkness. And as Jesus just declared, if you don't follow me, you walk in darkness. And yet, we think we know where we're going, right? We think we can handle it. You ever tried that before? But we're wrong. We deceive ourselves, end up ruining our own lives, but we also end up ruining the lives of those around us. But praise the Father for His grace, love, and mercy found in the person of Jesus Christ. Praise the Father for sending His Son. Jesus is so beautiful to me. I, I love that we sang that song, Beautiful One. Think of the beauty of Jesus coming into our darkness, coming into our chaos, and saying, I choose you. I choose you. Come. I love you. Follow me. I'm the light of the world. You call on me. I will bring you out of darkness into my marvelous light. In fact, what Jesus does, it kind of reminds me of what he does at the very beginning of the Bible. If you flip back to page number 1, Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. See, we have to understand this, that just as Jesus brought light into the world at creation, in the year 2017, Jesus is still bringing light into anyone and everyone who calls on his name. For anyone who believes in him and follows him, he will bring them from darkness into light. I hope we understand that when Jesus is talking about light and darkness, light is life. And when he's talking about darkness, he's talking about death. There's Life in the light of Christ, but there's nothing but death in the darkness without Christ. Remember, we talked about it last week. We talk about it a lot at this church, actually, that without Jesus, apart from the love and mercy of God found in Jesus, you and I, as Paul would describe, we are dead in our sins. 
dead in our sins. Paul describes uh, Gentiles who do not believe in Jesus, and this is how he describes them. He says they are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. I hope you caught that. Did you see that? Darkened in their understanding. Alienated from the life of God. See, that's why the cross is so powerful. That's why Jesus and what he offers every person on this earth and every person in this room is so powerful because even in this moment, in this moment, if you're sitting here and you know, you know what, I am in the dark without life in God, spiritually dead, that because of Jesus and in Jesus right now, you can be born again, given a new life where you don't have to walk in darkness. You no longer have to live in chaos, no longer have to be alienated and separated from God, but instead from this day forward, reconciled back into relationship with God, enjoying from this day forward not walking in chaos not walking in darkness but instead walking in the light of life jesus christ that's why i love jesus don't you love jesus i hope every person here will say yes to jesus yes to the light that he offers today in fact i I know i I don't know some of you and and maybe even the ones that i do know I, i would just put this to you regardless of what you've said or regardless of the act or the show that you sometimes put on that we all put on just if you have never put your faith and trust in the name of jesus if you've never called on his name to save you from your sins i cannot think of a better time than right now to do just that when you say yes to jesus it's amazing when you put your faith and your trust in jesus when you believe that he died for your sins he comes into your life he places a new spirit within you forgives you of your sins removes you uh, removes your sins from you he makes you a new creation and he will give you that light a light that always leads to eternal life and from this day forward you never have to walk in darkness again again i'll say it i hope everyone today might be willing to say yes to that light in the mighty name of jesus And for the rest of us, if you've already accepted his light, got the light of Christ leading you, what does that really mean? Yes, we receive eternal life in Jesus, praise the Lord. But what does it mean for today? What does it mean for 1151 on a Sunday morning? I actually have some pretty good news for you about today. The Bible actually says when you accept Jesus as the light of the world, that you and I actually begin to shine as lights in the world today. He says in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. In Philippians, Paul says that we are to be blameless and pure children of God without blemish, though you live in a crooked and perverse society in which you shine as lights. In the world. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were, every one of us, for you were at one time darkness, but praise the Lord, now you are light in the Lord. And then he says, Walk as children of the light. Today, because of Jesus in a world full of darkness, you and I, every person here, we can be light. Why can we be light? Because we have the true light in us, the source of light. Jesus Christ is in us, and so we can shine. In fact, we can brilliantly shine as we reflect the image of Christ. I don't know about you. I, I know for me, there is a deep passion within me to shine Jesus. I, I think many of you would agree in your own lives. 
And you know what I'm talking about. Just, I mean, like, not like just shine, but like shine. Like really shine. Because have you read the news? Right? I'm sick and tired of watching the people I love live in darkness. Anyone else just have a fire within you to have everyone experience the true light of Christ that leads to eternal life? I want to shine. I think we all do, right? We want to shine. But what does it look like to shine? For the answer, you actually have to look at what Jesus says in the passage, and we'll put it back up on the screen. He says, I am the light of the world. And he says, he who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you want to possess and you want to shine the light of life, to shine Jesus, which again, I think most of us want to do, here's the challenge. Then you actually have to follow him. That's what he said. He says, follow me and you're not going to walk in darkness. Follow me, you're going to have the light of life. And I've been a Christian for a long time, and yet still one of the greatest, greatest challenges that I face almost on a daily basis is when I wake up is the challenge, am I willing to follow Christ? Are you and I? All right, let's just have a little combo here. Right? Are you and I people who profess to believe in Jesus Christ? Are we committed to following Jesus? Are we committed to following Jesus? I hope for all of us it's a yes, because if we are, we're really going to shine. But following Jesus is a scary thing to even say. It's one of those Christianese sayings. You know what I'm talking about? It's a churchy word. In fact, I say it all the time. I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow Jesus. Why do I say it? Because I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. But I'll never forget. I was at my girlfriend's uh, grandparents for dinner, and her grandparents were atheists, and, and I was telling them about how I follow Jesus, and they just started laughing, and they're like, well, where's he going? I was like, wow, like maybe I should know what it means to follow Jesus at that point. Maybe us as a group of believers, when we're saying, yeah, I follow Jesus and yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, we might need to know what it means to follow Jesus. Because if we don't follow him, we will walk in darkness. But if we follow him, we will walk in the light of life. And so we have to ask the question, Am I truly following Jesus? Following Jesus is more than a churchy saying. To follow Jesus, if, you have, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. To follow Jesus means you trust Him as Savior and you obey Him as Lord. You trust Him as Savior and you obey Him as Lord. It's been said that you won't follow someone that you don't trust. It's true, right? That you won't follow someone that you don't Trust. Last Sunday, I showed you a picture of me kayaking in the Sea of Galilee, right? And the guy that was working the kayaks, he said, man, you don't want to go out there. Wait until the next day when it's calm. It's just too windy. Uh, the waves are too choppy. And I was good with that. Like, okay, well, let's just do it tomorrow. But then the guy I was with, he's like, no, 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 no. He goes, you'll be fine. Just trust me. Right? Just trust me. You're going to be fine. And here's the deal. If you remember, I did trust him. Why did I trust him? Because this is a guy who had kayaked um, from Port Angeles Washington to Victoria, B.C. And, and so I followed him out there. I followed him out onto the choppy Sea of Galilee. Why? Because I trusted him. You are only really following Jesus if you trust him. But also, you are only really following Jesus if you obey him. 
If you don't obey him, you aren't following him. I'll put it this way. If Jesus was a trail guide and every time he told you to go left, you went right. I'm sorry to break the news to you, but at that point, you are not following Jesus. If you continue to go right every time he says left, you are going to end up somewhere completely different than where God and Jesus wanted you to go. Hear me, Christians everywhere. You can say you're following Jesus all you want. You can sing a song about it, write a poem about it, but if you aren't going where he is leading you to go, then you aren't following Jesus. See, if, if you're a true follower of Jesus, then you actually let him lead you. He's the leader, you're the follower. And as one who is leading you, you have to put your trust in him and you have to obey him. And as you do, here's the kicker, as you truly follow him, Jesus says, you're going to shine. You're going to shine his light wherever you go. So again, do you trust and obey Jesus? I think saying, I follow Jesus, it's actually not too hard to say. Again, I say it all the time. But to say that I trust him and to say that I obey him, I think it gets a little closer to the heart of the matter and what I think Jesus is really calling us to. And so the news is wonderful today. If you are truly following Jesus, trusting him, obeying him, not walking in darkness, you're walking in marvelous light. Hallelujah. And if you haven't been following him in this radical way, I got even better news for you. By God's grace, right now, you can start that today. Isn't that good? That God doesn't bring us in here just to condemn us and to just kind of show us what terrible people we are. He actually brings us into his presence because he wants to lead us. He actually invites us into this relationship because he has good things for us to do. He has plans and purposes that he wants to lead us into. And even if you've been on some trail that you don't even know who is leading that trail, and sometimes often it's us trying to lead ourselves and we end up in chaos and darkness. But even if that's you, today he wants to lead you into his marvelous light. It reminds me of this hymn that we used to sing at Wabash Presbyterian Church growing up. Listen to these words. It's so amazing. The writer says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, so while we obey the Lord, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. It says trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. As I was praying this week and preparing for today's message, I, I just feel like the Lord was telling me that this could be a defining moment for some of you. And again, this isn't for me to judge you. This is between you and the Lord and wherever you're at with the Lord. But maybe you've been professing that you follow Jesus and yet you know you haven't been going where he's been leading. When he says left, you go right. When he says right, you go left. And here's the issue. When you look at your life and when you look at the journey of your life, when you continue to disobey the Lord, it can lack the light that leads to life, the light, the brilliant light that leads to life. And God is calling us to a deeper walk with him, one where we truly follow him, where we trust him as guide and obey him as father. You need to know God finds no pleasure in any of us walking in darkness. He finds no joy in even one person being lost. He doesn't want to see anyone perish, but all to come to everlasting life in him. Remember, he saw the darkness and so he sent his light into the darkness. He stepped back and said, it is good. 
In the same way he saw humanity dying in their sins, humanity lost in despair, without hope, without life, trapped in darkness, and yet he had a plan from the beginning of time that instead of just destroying us and starting over, he would actually send his son to earth to save us. The light of the world would come to the world and he would step back once again and say, it is good. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is when the shepherds see the angels. Remember the angels appear before the shepherds? And of course those shepherds, they're scared silly. But the Bible says, look at this, it says, the angels declare, behold, I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. I mean, we're talking about good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city, David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, Jesus brought his light into the darkness and it is good. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but instead be saved and given eternal life. Church, come on, it's go time. I said this first service, it is go time. Look around this world. It is a sin-sick world that is dying in their sins. People every minute of the day are dying in their sins. It is go time. It is time to truly follow hard after Jesus. Not the time to play the game. Not the time to do the show. Not just to go through the motions or just say the right things or just try to do the right things or just have some morality where you're a good little boy or a good little girl. But it is time to tear your clothes, to follow hard after Jesus, to trust and obey. And I believe this as we follow hard after him we will shine like we have never shined before jesus christ the great light of the world will come in and he will just begin to make the darkness have to flee wherever you go whatever room you enter whatever shopping uh, mall you enter whatever grocery store you enter the light of christ is going to go with you because he's in you and the darkness will have to shudder and flee because jesus christ the great i am is there and salvation is there, and hope is there. Because I have friends, you have friends, we have family who are living in chaos and living in darkness, and yet we have the light of the world. And so let's pray, and we're just going to ask you, Jesus, right now to invade us with your light, to invade us with your light. Lord, with my heart, I just ask for forgiveness for any area that I've not let your light just invade and permeate. That God, for this church, any area of a religious spirit, any area where we have tried to take people down, any area where we have condemned people, any area where we have shamed people, Lord, that you would forgive us of that, God. That we would be a light. That we would bring life wherever we go. Lord, I pray that over each person here. I can't change their hearts. I can't make them do anything. But right now, your spirit is here. And your spirit is really good at telling us what to do. Your spirit is even really good at transforming us and conforming us into the image of Christ. And so, God, there's areas that you're revealing even now. Areas where there's darkness. Areas where we have compartmentalized our religion. Areas where we have separated you from the rest of our lives. And right now, God, some of us are just saying, I am tired of living in the light and living in the dark. And then living in the light and then living in the dark. Some of us are waving the white flag of surrender, saying, Jesus, bring your light like never before. Permeate the darkness. May anything of darkness, anything of chaos have to flee in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, I, I just love this opportunity to once again discover what it means to follow you. 
that some of us, we, we got the sayings down, we got the bumper sticker on our car, we got the poster in our bathroom. And yet every time you say left, we go right. And yet somehow we've convinced ourselves in our minds that we're following you. And I just thank you, God, that in this moment, your grace is huge. And you're not here to condemn us, but you're here to call us to go left and to go right and to go straight and to go up and to go down, that you're not going to leave us hanging, that you are faithful to lead us. You're faithful to finish the work that you started in us. And I thank you for that, God, that in this moment, it's your spirit once again speaking to our spirits, reminding us of the plans that you have for us, the purposes you have for us, that you created in advance good things for us to do for your kingdom and for your glory. And we just want to say we're open to that today. We're open to your leading today. Forgive us for our ignorance. Forgive us for our deafness. Forgive us for the times we've just spat in your face and turned the other way. But Lord, now we just say, because of your grace, because of your mercy, we're ready to do your will. Here am I. Send me. May your light shine bright in us. Every one of us in this room. May your light shine bright. Lord, we pray over this VBS that's coming up. Lord, I just feel like you just put that in my mind uh, that we, each one of us that have volunteered to be a part of that VBS, that if we go in as true followers and true believers, that we can go in shining a light. It doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, it's, there's probably a difficulty and a challenge to it. But God, you're going to give us the power, the supernatural, miraculous power to walk into those rooms and shine your light. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Some of us, God, we just know we have that boss that every time we try to be positive, they kick us back down into negativity. And we're even embarrassed by some of the things we've said, some of the ways we've responded to a coworker or to a boss or to an employee because we got caught up into it. We got caught up in the chaos. We got caught up in the storms the, the, the form, the, 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 the darkness, God. We got caught up. And yet, God, you have not called us to be a part of the darkness. You've called us to walk in your light that leads to life. And so, Jesus, I pray over Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays that this week, even if we feel like we failed a thousand times, this week, by your grace, you'd give us an opportunity once again to go into the darkness, which sometimes is our place of work, but to go in and shine the light of Christ. We believe, Lord. We believe in you. We believe you are who you say you are, that you are telling the truth, that you're the great I am, that you're the bread of life, and that you are the light of the world. In your name we pray. Amen.